The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. And you're welcome back. Our panel has been assembled to look back over the stories making the headlines during the week and making headlines right away. Lise Han, journalist, is with us and Owen Tomas McDermott, Managing Director of the Communications Clinic. Uh, guys, this was on our list anyway. We were going to talk about Gary Lineker and his controversial tweets about British government migration policy, but he got criticised for it. And today it's been announced that he is stepping back from his role as presenter of Match of Today. He won't be presenting the show again until an agreement has been reached on social media use. This, I mean, Gary Lineker is a pretty much unoffensive person generally, but his pretty, like he's been criticising British government policy for quite some time now about Brexit. But did he step over the line by going this one step further and saying, look, comparing Britain's new migration policy of send, stopping the boats, as they call it, was that a step too far? Well, when I, this blew up, I I hadn't seen the original tweet. So I thought, my first thought was, there's a golden rule if you're in the public eye, just don't mention the Nazi words. Just, you know, stay the hell away from it because... It's, it's never a good place to go and it's only going to, you know... Um, no, he didn't use the word Nazis. Well, this, he is I, no, yeah. this is what I'm saying is when I, when I, first, when I heard about the kerfuffle, I assumed he'd, he'd gone the full way. And particularly in the, in the US, it's a hugely kind of pejor- uh, uh, sort of... It's, a, it's one of those words that's used very much in the culture wars and all that. And I thought, oh no, he, he surely... He, he, I thought he was smarter. And then I went and looked at the tweet and I looked at it. And, you know, he was replying to somebody and he said, there is no huge influx, which is true because the actual number of uh, of migrants entering the UK illegally is actually much lower, considerably lower than a lot of countries across the across Europe. Um, he, you know, so he said, we take far fewer refugees than other major European countries. This is just an immeasurably cruel policy. I think a lot of people would agree with that. I mean, I personally was myself when I saw that podium they'd put up with no more with no more stop bo- the boats. Stop the boats. Stop the boats. I actually assumed it was photoshopped until the I realised it I said was a journalist and uh, directed at the most vulnerable people. Now the key one is in language that is not dissimilar to that used by Germany in the in the 30s. Now everybody kind of went, you know, oh, he's Nazis, 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 but it's actually language of fascism. And that's the difference. That is the difference. This is, you know, when in the 1930s, you know, the, the what became eventually the Nazis, they were using, you know, they started using language like talking about invasion of people and people flooding into the country. And this is the sort of language of fascism. And I think it was a badly worded tweet or it was taken up wrongly. But I mean, I genuinely, when I saw that, I, I actually went looking for the, the, the offensive tweet because I thought that can't be it. And now, members of the Conservative Party piled on to Gary Lineker. And these are, I follow British politics quite a bit. The people piling on to Gary Lineker are the first people to say, how dare people get cancelled? We need free speech in this country. Oh, absolutely. And I think you're completely right, though, Lise, making that distinction in relation to the language. Because even in terms of the dates, for example, he, he mentions the 1930s, whereas then what this has been conflated is into the Holocaust. But the Holocaust actually occurred between between 1941 and 1945. So even in terms of, for, some, for example, the dates, they are in, they're factually incorrect. But I think people consciously jumped on it and that's what I thought was interesting. I'm actually very surprised 
that we've ended up in this situation where he has st- had to step back. But considering that he led the news, I think, on Tuesday evening and the tweet led the news on Tuesday evening ahead of the migration bill itself, which I think is all the more staggering that a football presenter's tweet in relation to one of the <laughs> cruelest, harshest pieces of migration law uh, is staggering, particularly when you consider the amount of challenges that are in British society at the minute. So I thought that was the first element. But then I think there is that piece as well where the right of British life are now used using any opportunity to attack the BBC to muzzle them. So we've heard the BBC being threatened to be defunded, for example. I think they were using this as an opportunity to attack them. And we are seeing this kind of trend occurring more and more. But it's certainly a chilling thing that you would think anybody with a platform who might want to say something will have to think again. Lise, from the BBC's point of view, this is absolutely a terrible PR decision because, of course, the British... Broadcasting Corporation chairman is being accused of, in a separate inquiry, of fa- facilitating loans to Boris Johnson, for, giving yeah, him for, advice. Exactly. A board member of the BBC used to be Theresa May's spokesperson and has been tr- accused of muzzling journalists. What on earth are they doing? It's an absolute shocker. I mean, it's they're obviously feel they're under siege and in a way that they hoped maybe perhaps that this would deflect the, the, the limit. And getting rid of their highest profile, highest paid And presenter. their highest profile. And you know, this isn't someone, you're not talking about as a football lad who after like a few tins, you know, at home decided just to throw up an opinion, like a half arsed opinion online. You know, Gar- you know Gary Lineker you know, follows politics. He comments on situations. He was, you know, very active on Twitter during, say, the world, coming up to the World Cup. He did, you know, talking about when I think it was James Cleverly, you know, more or less said, if you're going over there, uh, you know, be aware of the, the laws against homose- the ban against homosexuality. And he was sort of tweeting something like, you know, should people just like not be gay over there? And, you know, he's he's constantly sort of making mm. these 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 comments. But, um, you know, it's he's he's got a huge following. I mean, he's got uh, what, eight million. And I he'll think, probably uh, have a lot more at the back of And he of probably this. will have a lot more because, you know, this was just, this wasn't just some ill-advised lad. This was a tweet that I thought was very carefully done. And I think the BBC are spineless. I want to move on and move back to events closer to home because this week we had the announcement by the government that the ban on rental, rental evictions will expire as planned at the end of March. And this story has been probably brewing for a couple of days now online as well. Lots of people tweeting that where are they going to live when they are put out by their landlord in the next couple of months? Owen Smoss McDermott, the government say that there's nothing else they can do. Surely they should have been planning in the meantime for helping homeless people. Well, I think they should have been planning in the meantime to help homeless people. I think you've hit the nail on the head, Ian. I think there's a couple of things that we can look at here. First and foremost, we have to now assume, unfortunately, that homeless numbers are going to increase given that the eviction ban is uh, being lifted. We know that evictions will occur. RTB, for example, uh, the Tenancy Board released numbers today that had outlined that there were 5,000 notices to quit uh, leading up to the eviction ban being put in place. We can assume they'll come into the cycle which will ultimately unfortunately lead potentially to people um, being evicted. I think then also you would have to look though that the eviction ban my understanding of it was to give people breathing space, government breathing space to figure stuff out and try and make things better but in fact actually things got worse. Just to give you just an example, late last year for example was the first year in four years that homelessness numbers did not drop in November and December. That's That's shocking. Also though to give you another one, homelessness increased seven months in a row 
up until this month last and last February was a record. So it didn't improve things. But also you'd look to say it was supposed to give us breathing space to figure things out. And w- when we and when people have asked what are the suggestions that we have in place, what are the initiatives that we have in place, what are the changes that are being put in place to protect tenants, uh, we have found that there wasn't anything new coming down the line. So that breathing space to come up with a solution, or that breathing space to improve things, you would have to say was an utter failure. Lise, you've covered politics for a long time now. You've been around ministers and Taoiseach and Taunishes for a long time now covering their activities. Did the government really get that the public pinned the blame for the housing crisis directly on them, not to, not to the builders, not to the, on the government for failing after all this time to get more homes built? This is it. I mean, there does seem to be that disconnect where they just don't get it. And I think the two things, I, one thing I think that staggers people is just that sense of a lack of urgency about the whole thing, about... Uh, uh, you know, not understanding that this is actually a crisis and for all the reasons, you know, that, o- that Owen Tomas was just talking about there. But I mean, it's also, um, it's they just don't seem to have that understanding that probably the only thing that is sort of holding a lot of it together is the fact that people in Ireland tend to have families and they can sort of stay in, in sort of, you know, in families and so on, which again is keeping probably keeping the numbers suppressed. But it's also the lack of cohesion and the lack of any kind of joined up thinking. Constantly, our governments are always in reactive mode. They're never in proactive mode. I mean, if you look at, I was just sort of looking back, you know, at a couple of things. And I mean, for instance, um, you talk about the, um, there's, you know, sort of, there's a scheme to the repair and lease scheme, which sort of brings, you know, vacant properties in, in, Again, the take up on, you know, p- lots of people applied for it and not a single grant has been handed out yet. Like you've got, you, um, you've got like the, the, the scheme to, for tenants to buy properties. There's, there's been absolutely, the, the take up of that has been, has been absolutely tiny. They say, you know, the, the government is saying that, you know, f- um, they want to buy 1500 homes, uh, you know, so that so they can actually turn into social housing, and something like thirteen have been bought this year, or something like you know. There's so it's a lack of it's a lack of urgency, a lack of understanding that this is a genuine crisis, and then a lack of any planning, saying let's look at the derelict buildings, let's look at vacant properties over shops, let's look at what we can do, and it's just they're just constantly just scrabbling. Yeah, and it's yeah. You know, I interviewed the minister yesterday, and he did say they were trying to do things, but that in the meantime, homelessness may actually increase. And look, all across Today FM today, and people around the country have been donating to Focus Ireland and their and our big bus campaign, and it has been phenomenally successful. It's perhaps sad that we're in this state of affairs where we have to go about and doing this, but we are actually having a brilliant time with all the music music that we've had all day today from all the presenters. Thankfully, not from me. You'd be absolutely turning your radio off if I was to make an attempt at singing. But we have had all our presenters do something but also there's been some great musical talent around the country on the station all day and it's not over yet because we're here on the last word we're going to get in on the act as well we're going to go over to St Stephen's Green Shopping Centre in Dublin just around the corner from the studios where Liliana a 17 year old singer songwriter who caused a big stir in the music industry since she released her first single Where What Are We Now last year well she is one of the hundreds of musicians professionals and amateurs who've worked so hard to make today a FM's big bust for Focus Ireland, such a huge success today. So many thanks to her and everybody else who gave their time and effort. And we're going to go now live to Liliana, where she's singing one of her songs, Waste of Time.
ever mess up So I gave you all my trust So stupid But baby, you're ever-changing And I, I try to keep it in Now none of us will ever win Cause you're stupid And if you don't think that I deserve better Look in a mirror Check it twice Cause one day you say you love me The next you'll be acting like I don't exist So I might Absolutely wonderful. Dave Moore is with us. Dave, you are very good this morning with Dermot, but I don't think he can match that. <laughs> no, I think our abilities are a lot different, Ian. That's why we're radio presenters and not singers for real. It's been so fantastic. Fun, all, it's been fantastic all day today. And it's great. We're hearing from all around the country about the success of it all. People are out there. People are very generous. I was walking by this morning, Stephen's Green Shopping Centre on my way in here. There was crowds getting ready for, I presume it was you and Dermot. Maybe it was Pamela. Maybe we were, they were all waiting for Pamela. May- well, there's lots happened. Yeah, Carl Benoga works on our show, did an amazing version of uh, Mickey Joe Hart's We've Got the World, Osgoelga, and Mickey Joe Hart surprised us all and joined him on stage uh, as well. So that was amazing. Then we got up and sang a little medley of our favourite artists, um, including The Police and U2 and Backstreet Boys and Metallica. And then Pamela Joyce went up at Wild Youth and absolutely smashed it. So, like, everyone's been working really hard to raise as much money as possible. But like you said, it's the listeners that are doing this. They're the ones putting their hands in their pockets and donating, and it is just 
phenomenal. Yeah, and events are still continuing. We heard from Stephen Daly down at Houston. They've got some great things going on. But the thing that we all want to know is, look, people have been very generous. They've been very generous out to the people on the streets. They've gotten on the phone lines. They've opened the Revolut app and donated. And people have been really generous this year. Like, exceptionally so. And we're well aware of how tough things are for everybody this time, this year, um, in comparison with other years. And it is really difficult, but people are finding the how money they need to donate. How has been raised so far? <laughs> so far, Ian, I cannot believe I'm saying this because it's only, whatever it is, 25 to 6 on, on Friday. We so far have 253,860 euro and 88 cent. Oh, wow. We are over target. We had hoped to raise €250,000 today for Focus Ireland. And already, as you say, the night is not over. You can still donate. So please, Dave, make make the plea to people out there to still give. Yeah, look, there's so much still going on. As you can hear there, like phenomenal performances coming all the way through the day and into the night as well. And then tomorrow and all across the weekend, Alison Curtis, Curtis and the Weekend Breakfast Show, uh, they're going to have even more gig tickets and prizes to give away. Plus, she'll be revealing her own big bus drumming challenge, which I am absolutely dying to see. I cannot wait to see this. Um, and then uh, online as well, go to At Today FM on all manner of social media, whether it's your Instagram, your Twitter or whatever. Keep an eye out because there's live big busk sessions. There's some from Frey Ridings, she was on us this morning. Absolutely phenomenal. Neil Meskel, or Nell Meskel, she'll say, is doing stuff as well. And all the video footage from everything that we did today, of course, is going to be there. Plus all the hundreds of busking events that are happening all around the country. So keep an eye on that today, FM. But please keep donating. It's not over yet. So the big busk uh, is really what we want people yeah. to donate to. Todayfm.com forward slash busk. You can actually call if you like. If you want to be more traditional about it, you can just ring 01 881 5900 I should say. And you can speak to an operator and donate over the phone. Or as you mentioned, the Revolut app is the way to do it. It is so easy. If you've got Revolut at all and you use it, just go in. You go to the bottom right of the normal page when you're first in there. You see the word hub. Tap that, go down to the yellow uh, icons, you'll see donations, it's a white love heart. Go in there and Focus Ireland is there Thanks, and just Dave. donate whatever you can. Thank Thanks. you very much, Dave. Pre- really appreciate it and great stuff this morning from you and Dermot and Cahill as well and all the team on Today FM. We're up over the target, €253,000, Keep it going, please keep your donations coming in. The panel are staying with us. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. And you're welcome back. Our panel of Lise Hand and Owen Tomas McDermott are still with us looking back on the week's major trending stories. I don't think they've just been trending this week. Own they've been trending for since last September and October now. And this is the Burke family and they were, well, <laughs> at the courts this week and then out of the courts this week. They certainly were. They were. They were behaving in really the most unreasonable and unusual way. We're really. It's very, really unusual behaviour. We would have to say, where a family, uh, of very well educated, very respectful. You would have thought several people, of whom have law degrees. That would be start to behave like this. So we had Enoch, Isaac, Simeon, Amy, Martina, the mum, and Sean all removed. I think it was uh, Frank Greeny's piece that entertained me most, where Martina was shouting, "Where are his shoes? Where are his shoes?" That I thought. Was 
was the most entertaining. I think that we all have developed a bit of a fascination with the Burks. I certainly have. And uh, I was thinking about it during the week, and I think it's not hugely dissimilar to my fascination at times with the Windsors. And I'm thinking, what a, I wonder what it's like to be in the mix there. What did they talk about? What did they, what did they do? What did they go through? Because there is this kind of unknown aspect to them because they are behaving in such an unusual way. And I think, though, it ultimately boils down to, and people say it'd be interesting to interview the Burks, whereas I actually don't think it'd be interesting at all. Because once you get to the question, why are you doing this? The question will come back to Jesus. We're doing it for religious reasons. And I think as this shows, as, as we have seen through history, people behave in an unusual way because of their religion, whatever that way may be, when it becomes quite extreme. And I think we're seeing that with the Burks. Lisa, I was listening to, I was interviewing Frank the other day and listening to him describe the scenes. I actually found some of it a bit distressing, as I think the Burks obviously did. A lot of people down in the courts witnessed it and probably found it distressing. But so I would imagine that all of the people who are back at that school and all the families around it as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I do hold two, you know, very different, uh, almost conflicting opinions on this simultaneously, which isn't, you know, any crazier than the story itself. But on one hand, um, I heard veteran journalists talking about it afterwards and saying it was, they've never seen anything like it. Um, it was quite, dist- it was quite distressing. And while there is, and I am, have been massively entertained by this story, there is also like a deeply worrying part of it as well, because this is a family whose fundamentalism and fundamentalism is never good. Like it doesn't matter what religion you attach into it because fun, like there's a difference between devotion and there's a, and which is, you know, adherence to. And, and they would say beliefs. it is their constitutional right to practice religion. Yeah. And fundamental, you know, religious fundamentalism means it's our way or no way. It, and that's just as simple as this. And this is what we're seeing here. And But the danger is, is that they are, they have now brought themselves to a place where they feel they're above the law, that they off, they, they, they seem to be, you know, immune to the laws of the land and they only, they only, you know, are, are immune to a higher law. And that is very dangerous because that feeds into an awful lot of, of, conspiracy theories and kind of fringe groups that are saying, yeah, you know, we don't have to follow the law. And that's a dangerous place. And the courts are now in a bit of a dilemma because what do they do? They've locked, they locked up Enoch for, uh, I think, 108 days or something and he bounced out. And again, it's, it's such a bizarre throwback. I mean, to be honest, I just had this massive deja vu back to the RDS on the day of the uh, divorce referendum. And there was another family, the McMahonas, which were sort of similarly, uh, shall we say, incredibly entrenched in their um, religious beliefs. And the mother uh, greeted the journalists at, at that saying something like it was uh, go away. Uh, what was it? Go away, ye wife-swapping sodomites. That was exactly the terms. So, you know, which was sort of went down in the in, in the in the ages as as, as a sort of a, a statement. And here you have the mother um, saying things like, you know, that the, accusing the judge of prostrating at the altar of transgenderism. I mean, this is just this is just mad stuff. I mean, it's, it really is. But, but there is a worrying side to it as well. But there is, and it, and it's you think of all the students in that school and all the parents and all their friends, you know. Yes, Enoch Burke is standing outside the school. 
but it is still happening. It's in the news, it's in the media, and they're being reminded of the, of what's happening. Is part of it own? Should we should we in the media step back about away from the story? Yeah, well, one could argue that, but I suppose media have an understanding that there is an appetite for this because, as we, I'm sure, have media outlets can track how many people click through on a story about the Burks. What has struck me though is 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 how interesting the system has had a capacity of dealing with the unreasonable and unusual. That if you think about it, the Department of Education, the courts, the Court of Appeal, the school, Angarda Siakana, uh, the Workplace Relations Commission, that's six I've counted, I'm sure I've missed a couple, have all been able to manage the situation with remarkable constra- constraint. Now you could say that there was, that the Angarda Siakana had to remove them from uh, the courts, but they did it with, with as much effort that they needed to. And that's what, I, what strikes me, that no none of the parts of the system have, have really let themselves down yet, that they've been able to navigate through it, whether it's the courts being able to manage the situation, because it is so unusual. And they have to be so, so careful because they're incredibly litigious, that they have an extraordinary amount of experience in law for one family. And that is the thing that has struck me, is actually the, the national system's ability to deal with this and deliver justice and due process. Let's move on from the Burks. I don't want to end talking about them. Let's move on to the Oscars. We were speaking an hour ago to Eva Barry, who is luckily in LA for it, but at least you've been at the Oscars before. And apparently, you get a load of merch if you are somebody who's nominated. Yeah, I have. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't actually nominated, so I didn't get a goodie (laughs) bag, uh, sadly. But yeah, I actually, but I was there in a capacity as a guest as opposed to a journalist, which was great. Oh, that's um, even better. Yeah, there's no work yeah, involved. Now. Yeah, and it was kind of by accident. I was, I, I had, I had worked on Jim Sheridan's film uh, in the name of the father, and it was nominated for several Oscars and um, in the 1994 Oscars, and anyway. One of the, their their guests um, dropped out for some reason. I'm not too sure why. And a spare ticket came available. And I think I got a call on the like something like the Friday morning, or I, I mean, it was only a few days beforehand. Anyway, saying, "Can you get your you know be, behind out here you know by Sunday?" And I was like, "Do you hear that talking on the hotel door? That's me." So I mean, I didn't know an address or something. I just borrowed something and off I went. But uh, so I can I do genuinely I really know what all the Irish contingent are going through I mean it's just it's, it is literally the most extraordinary But some of them experience. are going to walk away on Tomas with a lot of good swag from this <laughs> Yeah there is good swag uh, sw- swag swag <laughs> even that uh, about 126,000 euros worth it ranges from a Japanese uh, milk bread a three nights day for eight people on a volcanic Italian island uh, liposuction a plot of land in Australia so there is there is quite a lot what struck me about it is it's a classic example of rich and famous people getting stuff for free and rich and famous <laughs> people tend to get stuff for free and we see it all of the and time and this is another example absolutely of it jealous of it. Lise Hand and Owens Moss McDermott, thank you very much for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.